What's happening, Cornerstone? How are we doing today? Man, it's good to see you. You sound good. Um, you really do. I was standing back there kind of trolling, just trying to see what y'all are. It sounds good out here. Um, glad that y'all are here with us. Isn't it cool? Before we start today, I, I don't know if you've thought about this or noticed it, but seeing that video of Pastor Lynn kind of really hit this home to me. Isn't it awesome that we have a pastor that doesn't say, hey, you guys go out and do stuff, man, let, let's be a part. But he's like the first one on the boat, like going to India saying, hey, put me out there, put me to work. I, I don't know what that does for you, but it's cool to me to think, hey, we've got a lead pastor that doesn't tell us to do stuff. He just goes and does it um, as well. So that, that's, that's awesome. It's cool to be a part of that. If you're visiting with us today, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. And if, man, if this is the one that's five o'clock tonight, thanks for watching, for hanging out with us, um, watching online. Thank you for being a part of that too. But thanks for coming and walking through this series with us because this is, this is a pretty cool series that we're going through. Um, if you've, you're kind of new to church, this isn't normal. Um, we're talking about things that we hate about the Bible. And I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, there's certain things that I read that I'm like, man, I wish that wasn't there. It would be so much, such a better book if it didn't, can I just pull these pages out where it tells me I got to love my neighbor? If I could just pull that section out, um, that, that would be awesome. If I could pull this section out that said I've got to be, be, be respectful and that kind of stuff, it would be really nice right now to not have to forgive this person. So I'm going to use a black highlighter on this part of my Bible and just kind of clear that out. It, it, it's hard sometimes. And there's things in the Bible that we read that unfortunately you just can't pick and choose. It's not a, a buffet. You, um, you take the book as a whole. And so the question that we're going to walk through today um, is, is difficult. And, and there's things that go with it. So we're looking at today, why do bad things happen to good people? And that is a great question. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I think there's a question that goes along with it, though, that's why does good things happen to bad people? I don't know if you've been in that, because sometimes I don't think, you know, why does bad things happen to good people? Because, man, I, I kind of see that a little bit better. I'm more concerned about why are good things happening to this person? Because they're an idiot. God, do you not realize how messed up this person is? They don't need anything else good in their life. Give me all of that good mojo in my world and let them just kind of do their thing and just hurt because they deserve it. God, you should let them hurt. Do you not listen to really what goes on in their world? Let them hurt, God. Let good stuff come to me. I I don't know if you get in that spot. So if if we're going to do this, um, well, we've got to look at at some different things because what I've thought, even just as I've walked through life to get to this point, I've noticed that people that ask this question, why do good things happen to bad people? I've noticed that people that ask that, that there's two different things going on. Usually you think that you're a good person and bad things aren't happening to you. So you're more worried about friends. And what I've noticed is if things in your world are really good, a real simple answer here will suffice. If this morning you woke up, not to your alarm clock, but to like birds, like chirping, and that was how you woke up this morning. That's the worst bird noise ever. But if, if birds were outside your windows chirping, and that's what woke you up, and then you went down to your car, and it was on empty when you parked it, but today it's on full, and you don't know how it happened. It's just God's blessings. And then you got in your car, and every light turned green all the way here. And on the 202, somebody actually pulled over to let you on. <laughs> Living the blessed life. And then you pulled into the parking lot. And you wanted to park up close because it's been a long day and your shoes don't fit. So you parked up. You were going to in close and that car right by the door backed out just as you were pulling in. It's in the shade even too. So when we leave, your car is going to be nice, a nice, just beautiful 68 degrees. Maybe that's your world right now. And maybe everything just seems to be falling in life and everything is just nice. Um, I, that's awesome if it is. I hate you, but that's awesome if that's really, not really. I'm sorry, that was me. If that's really where your world is at, that, that's great. So for you, an answer to this question, why do bad things happen to good people, is, is really simple for you. Bad things happen to everybody. 
So it's not why do bad things happen to good people? Because if we get there, it gets a little sketchy because now we've got to define who's good and who's not good. And then we've got to draw the line of being that hypocritical, judgmental person that says, wait a second, you are more screwed up than this person, so bad things should happen to you, but not to you. Definitely not to me. If we get into that side of it, then we all get in a fight. Everybody hates each other and nobody comes back next week and Lynn never lets me speak again. So we're not going to go that angle. What we're going to do instead is for you, that, that's, a, that's an answer that will get you through the day. Bad things happen to everybody. The reason bad things happen, and this is really simple. Um, a long time ago, there were two naked people in a garden that chose sin over God. And ever since that moment, sin has infiltrated this planet. Sin has been a part of everything we do, and where sin goes, problems go with it. And since sin infiltrated this world, bad things and trouble became a part of our everyday life. So bad things happen to everybody. And this is where it gets kind of, I guess, a little bit easier maybe to swallow, is bad things don't just happen to good people. Bad things happen to everybody. Bad things, are, it's, they're not prejudiced. It doesn't matter if you're tall. It doesn't matter if you're short, if you're fat, if you're skinny. Um, I sound like Dr. Seuss. It doesn't matter if you're on a train, in a plane, with a goat, on a boat. It doesn't matter here or there. It doesn't matter anywhere. Bad things happen to everybody. Bad things attack all of us equally. So bad things not only happen to good people, they happen to bad people, they happen to decent people, they happen to medium people, they happen to everybody. What I've noticed, though, again, in doing this is if I try to explain that, a lot of people, if you are living in that moment of something bad is happening and you walked in these doors today because you are ticked off and you're like, okay, I, I got to know why are bad things happening to me? If I could explain it to you, I really don't think you would care. And I say that because in my life, when, when my world has crashed, I've had tons of people come up and give me the little Christian hug. And you know it's a Christian hug because it's from the side because they never hug in the front because that's weird. So Christian's hug from the side and they give me that. And then I get the little Christian back rub, and then Tim, it's going to be okay. Things are tough, but it'll be all right. Here's a calendar with a kitten that's saying, hold on till Friday. Put that in your office. Things will get better. I've noticed that when they come in and they're like, Tim, man, I'm really sorry that this is going on. Let me pray for you. And they pray this three-hour prayer, and then we say amen, and things are still rough, and I'm still looking at my situation going, maybe you didn't pray loud enough? I don't know. I'm still, it's still, like, my life still stinks. Can we try again? No matter how bad people, no matter the explanation, no matter how bad they try to explain it, no matter how bad they try to, to twist it to get me to understand it, even understanding bad things happening to good people never made sense to me. It never helped the situation because at the end of the day, I'm still stuck in the middle of something bad. So if that's you this morning, if that's where you're at, you're walked into this and today you're just like, dude, I'm just sick of bad things happening to me. I don't care why they happen to bad people. I don't care why they happen to good people. Why do they happen to me? I got some stuff for you today. And, and let me set this up a little bit. I, um, I normally speak to high school students and college students. Um, so it, part of this may get, if you're over like 15, this may get a little weird. And I, I don't know how to fix that. That's just how God's built me. But as we walk through this, my job, and, and I feel like my, my plan in this today isn't to get you to understand why bad things happen. Um, because really that answer is simple. It's sin. But that answer doesn't help. <laughs> my, 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 I feel like my position today is to not get you to understand why bad things happen, but how to get through them. Because the other thing I've noticed is that it's going to happen to all of us. I, I remember, and I remember when I first gave up what I wanted to do to follow what I thought God wanted me to do. I, I remember going to college pursuing what I wanted to do with life and that moment that God wrecked me and I realized, yikes, this isn't what God has built me for. 
And I remember dropping out of college, changing degrees, changing colleges, and switching majors to, to pursue this, this walk with Jesus and thinking, man, this is it. Everything is great. And everything just kind of hit in the fan. And my life instantly got more difficult. And I remember in those moments sitting there going, God, I'm reading like theology books that are like this thick. I'm taking classes like Christian ethics. Who takes that? I'm taking these, these things that are supposed to make me a better follower of you that's going to prepare me for what you've built me to do. And now I'm walking into a doctor's office with my wife and my three-year-old daughter and I'm listening to a guy tell me that my son's not going to live past four days and that we should abort him. That's what I get in this guy. That's how this works. I don't know if you're on fall break right now, Jesus, but that's not how it works in my head. That's not when I gave my life to you and I trusted you with my life. I expected it to be a little bit easier than that. And I had people in that moment come up to me and give me verses that were great verses, gave me all sorts of stuff, gave me hugs, gave me books, gave me cards, gave me all these things. And I went home and I still got to sit there and, and wait for the next three months to find out what was going to happen with our son and to walk with him through three heart surgeries and to see what's going to go on with his life. I've got to watch my brother lose a fight to cancer about eight years ago. And I'm looking at God going, really, God? He, that shouldn't have happened. He's not old enough for cancer. And I remember the phone call. I was 12 hours away from him. I was serving at a state in, in, in Arkansas. And I remember the phone call of him saying, hey, I just got back from the doctor. I've got cancer. And he's saying that everybody in our family, all the men should go and get checked out. And I remember that moment going, Jesus, this, this is it? <laughs> really? Um, anything else we could do with this, God? I remember having my dad tell me that my mom was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And for the last, I don't know, nine, ten years, watching her walk through this disease that's slowly altering her. And thinking, this is, my mom served you, God, since she was born. <laughs> I think mom, like, she came out of her mom, like, singing a gospel song somewhere in a little bitty ch country church somewhere. And now she's old and she's deserved this peaceful life. And now it's rough because of this disease. And I'm thinking, God, if this is it, I, I kind of want to, I don't know, I kind of want to think things through a little bit. So if, if this morning or this afternoon, if you've walked into this place and you're like, man, I, I just want to know. Bad things happen because of sin. It's that simple. Sin has come into this planet. It's destroyed this planet. And it's everywhere. And we're never going to have a day that sin isn't a part of this world. And so for the rest of, this is pretty uplifting, for the rest of our lives here, bad things are going to happen. What I want to do for you though, because some of you walked into this place, you don't know Jesus, and you're annoyed by the fact that you have friends that know Jesus, and when bad things happen, they're happy. And that's the most annoying thing in the world, right? For something bad to happen, be like, hey, I got a speeding ticket. Why are you smiling? Hey, I just got evicted. They're, they're happy about that somehow. So my, I feel like my job in this this morning is, is really simple. It's not to tell you that bad things are going to happen, that they're not going to happen, why they happen to this person and not this person, but how to get through them. Because I feel like that's a much more valid point for all of us because no matter where we go in life, we're going to be hit by something and how we get through it is going to be important. So to do that, um, I'm going to need help. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to pray with me real quick and we're going to dive in and see what God does with this. So pray with me. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this, this chance. Whew, God, thank you for the, the truth that we're about to unfold in Scripture, God. And I just pray that in these next few moments that you would remove me, my thoughts, God, anything that, that's, that's going to come out of me, God, that's not of you, and that you would replace it, Jesus, with your words and with your wisdom. And, God, that we would walk out of this place with peace that can only be found in you. And, Jesus, we ask you to do this in your beautiful name. Amen.
Amen. Hey, so if you've got a Bible, go to John. We're going to be in the book of John chapter 16. This, when trouble has hit my life, no matter what shape or form, for some reason, this book, this chapter, this verse has been where I've always gone to. John 16 is where I've always fallen back to, no matter what it is. If it was failing a class, if it was finding out about a sickness, anything, this passage has always, always been like, I guess, my lifeline that I've always fallen back on. So what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to take this one really small verse of scripture and we're going to tear it apart. We're going to shred it. We're going to look at it. We're going to see what it has to say because I think that this one small verse will show us not only that bad things are going to happen, but then how to find peace in them. So John 16, we're going to be at the end of the chapter, verse 33, and and it, it goes a little something like this. It says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So let's go back to the beginning and let's break this down a little bit. It says, I have told you these things. And this is important right here. It says, I have told you these things. Who is I? If we don't understand that, then the rest of this verse has no, like no credibility. Because if I is some little short dude that lives in a, under, I don't know, lives under a bridge somewhere and has never had anything bad happen to him other than live under a bridge, don't know where that's going. If that's who I is, then the rest of this is pointless. The I in this is Jesus. And there's a couple ways that you know. One, it's written in red. So if you have a Bible, anything written in red is Jesus. That's not, they ran out of black ink. That's just how we know that Jesus was speaking. Um, if you read some of this stuff before, you can, Jesus says that it's him. So you, you know that the I in this passage, the I in this part of scripture is Jesus. So this is Jesus himself saying, I, the son of God, the creator of everything, I have told you these things. So the I is Jesus. What in the world are these things that he's talked about? If you look back, just get back some pages to your left. You're going to see some of the cool things that Jesus has talked about. He says some, so some of these things that Jesus, where it says, I have told you these things. Some of these things um, are, are pretty sick. Like one of them is um, just as much as God in heaven loves me, that's how much I love you. Now come and hang out in my love. That's part of all these things. That's pretty cool. Just as, and you had said, just as much as God loves Jesus, that's how much Jesus loves you. Now come and hang out in my love. That's pretty good. That's part of all these things. Um, he said, he, there's, there's a, a part in this too where he says, um, the rest of the world, they're going to make fun of you and they're going to hate you because you're different because you're following me. But don't sweat that because they hated me first. So there's this cool part where he's like, hey, it's going to get rough. People may make fun of you because of your faith. They may make fun of you because of how you're living your life because you're following me. But don't sweat it because way before you, they hated me with a lot more intensity than they are you right now. So that's part of all these things. Um, there's one that we talked about a couple weeks ago where Jesus says, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He has this cool moment where he says, hey, if you want to go to heaven, it's me and only me, and that's it. The equation is Jesus plus nothing, and that's, that's it. So if you want to go to heaven, man, if you want to spend time in, with me in eternity, if you want a relationship with Jesus, it's not works, it's not what we do, it's just me, and that's it. That's part of all these things. And then Jesus got a little weird because, and I, I, I love his sense of humor. He said something kind of cool with his disciples. He said, um, in a little while, you're not going to see me anymore, but then you'll see me again, but then you won't see me, but then I'll be back. <laughs> it was like the first like Jedi Yoda trick ever. And I, I, I love reading that because I pictured the disciples going, I have no idea what he just said. Did you catch that? No, I didn't get it either. What do we do? I don't know. Smile. And they're stuck in that moment. Have you been in those conversations where somebody says something and it's so profound, it's so smart, you're like, who are you? That's like 90% of the conversations with Pastor Lynn. He'll say something and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> um, 
That's this moment. Jesus says, man, in a little while I'm going to go away, but then I'm going to come back and then I'm going to be gone, but then I'm going to come back for you. And the disciples, the, the people listening are like, I don't know what that means, but you're in front of me. So I guess it's all good. That was one of the, all of this. And then he said something, and this is cool. If you're visiting church for the first time, or maybe you're just trying to see this Jesus thing through. A lot of times people think that God came to destroy us, that he came with this like ruler in one hand and his fist in the other hand, and he's waiting for us to screw up because as soon as we mess up, it's going to be like crack, and he's going to like rain down punishment on us. And unfortunately, that's a lot of people's view of Jesus. He came to destroy. He came to judge. And one of the all of this that this passage is talking about, one of the all of these things that Jesus is saying, I have come to tell you all these things. One of those is really important. And maybe that's the whole reason you're here. It's that Jesus didn't come to judge you, but to offer you salvation. That's part of the all of this. That Jesus came not to be that judgmental force that comes in and makes you feel how horrible you are, but to come in and give you salvation. That's part of the all this that Jesus is talking about. So this is, this is a cool passage of scripture. It's Jesus saying, I have told you all these things. And then the next part of it says this, so that in me, you may have peace. I have told you all of these things that are out there. I've, I've laid this down for you brick by brick by brick. So, you know, because the only way you're going to find peace is in me. My question for us this morning is, where are you searching for peace? Where you, and this is common sense, where you're searching for peace is going to determine if you find it or not. And there's too many people that go to God as a last resort instead of a first response. And we go to Jesus when nothing else works. Our world crashes in around us. We try everything there is. We try friends. We try relationships. We try substance. We try everything we can get our hands on. And when nothing else works, we go to God and it's suddenly his fault that we don't have peace in that situation. Jesus said, I, Jesus, have told you all of these things so that in me you can have peace. And this is a really cool, and, and English unfortunately messes this verse up a little bit because we don't see that this is a possession of something. Jesus is promising a possession of something called peace. And I could explain to you until I'm blue in the face and we could spend hours here about why good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people and nobody would care. But if I can explain to you this morning how you can find peace in bad things, that could make a smile on the way out the door. So where, where do you find peace? Do you understand if you're looking in any place but Jesus... The peace you're going to find is very circumstantial and it's very temporary. And for some of you, you're like, yeah, that's me. I've looked for peace in, in everything. And I, I've, I've tried so hard to, be, to, to find peace because my world crashed. And it, it's there for just a short period of time, but then when I need it the most, it's gone. <laughs> and I'm, where, where do I find peace? Jesus is saying that if you want peace, and this isn't like peace, and then Jesus leaves. This is like Jesus coming, hey, if you want peace, if you want possession of this thing called peace, it's only going to be found in me. You're not going to find it anywhere else. If you want peace, come to me, because I've got it, and it's a free gift waiting for you. It says this next, I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace, in this world, you'll have trouble. You need to understand that Jesus, this, this isn't like a, hey, in this world, it might get sketchy. I don't know. Some things may go rough. Um, 
it might get a little nutty, so leave the training wheels on and let's just kind of coast downhill real slow. This is Jesus going, in this world, you will have trouble. This is the promise of God saying, hey, in this world, it's going to get rough. And you need to look at how he words it because this is real important. He says, in this world. And there's a reason that he breaks that down because there's two existences. There's two realities. There's this world and the next world. And in the next world, we talked about it two weeks ago, trouble doesn't exist. Because the next world for people who believe in Jesus is heaven. The next world is a place that sin has never entered into. The next world is a place that disease has never been a part of. The next world is a place that fear, that pain has never, never been in, has never been allowed in. The next world, the government is never shut down. The next world, taxes aren't due. The next world, sin hasn't entered and it's perfect. But that's the next world. And Jesus isn't talking about that. And I think for too many of us, we get confused from this world and the next world. And we think that this world should be like the next world. But this isn't this world. Or this isn't the next world. This is this world. Now I sound like Yoda. This world, pain is coming. And Jesus points it out point blank. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. And I wonder right now, how many of you can resonate with trouble? And I'm not talking like you stubbed your toe on the way to church and your shoe's a little scuffed up. I don't mean that type of trouble. I don't mean like you got a hangnail and you're like, oh, I should have painted my fingers blue instead of green. Not that type of trouble. I mean trouble. Like where it hits you and you're rattled. I mean trouble that hits you to the point that you're looking to God going, dude, seriously, if you're real, I'm done. If you're real, God, and this is, this is how life is, I don't want any part of you because life right now is horrible and I, I'm out. I'm finished. I don't want anything to do with it. Trouble has hit me and I don't know what to do. I mean trouble, that, and I don't know if you've been in this point in life, but trouble that's hit you so hard that you can't even speak. I'm talking trouble where you're sitting there and you can't even put words together to tell somebody about. I remember when the doctor walked in with my wife and I, when they were telling us about our son, and we had this moment of him looking at us going, um, we really are going to advise you to abort because he's not going to live past four days. And if he does, his quality of life is going to be horrible. So the best thing you can do at five months is to abort and, and maybe start over. And I remember in that moment going home and sitting in the floor, crying in a fetal position, not even able to talk to anybody. Because everything that I knew had suddenly just crashed around me and being in that moment of, I don't know what to do with this. I'm supposed to be a dad. I've got a three-year-old daughter. I've got a wife. How do, what do I, and I couldn't even articulate anything to get through. And I'm not naive enough and I'm not, I'm not dumb enough to stand up here and pretend that I know about your trouble or ask you to pretend that you understand mine. Because I realize that your trouble is the exact same to you as mine was to me. And I'm not foolish enough to stand up here and go, no, I get it, I know how you feel, because I don't. And I'm not arrogant enough to even pretend that I do, because I know that the trouble that's hit you is different than the trouble that's hit me. And even if we're walking through the same phase of life together, the exact same series of trouble is hitting you that hit me, it's different for you. And I get that. All I know is when trouble hit me, I didn't care how somebody explained it. I didn't care if it made sense. I didn't care the Hebrew word for trouble. I, couldn't, I didn't care if you could write it out in Greek for me and make it look real pretty. That did absolutely nothing for me. I wanted to know how to get through it. When trouble hits, 
what do we do? And Jesus is saying, I don't know, he's saying, hey, trouble is coming. In this world, this existence, be ready. In this world, you will have trouble. It gets good, though. The next three words are the most powerful part of this passage. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. But take heart. Do you understand what this is? This is Jesus. <laughs> this is so cool. This is the king of the universe. This is the commander of heaven's armies looking down from heaven going, take heart, hold on. This is a battle cry. This is the creator of everything looking down going, dude, I know it stinks. I know it's hard. I know the world has hit you and you feel like there's no hope anywhere, but you got to hold on. Don't you dare give up. Take heart. Hold on. This is Jesus. Not, and, and maybe we need to do this. I know Christmas is coming up. Um, and I know that some of you right now are thinking like little baby Jesus in the manger, fleece diaper, little glistening things. And he's drooling this real little sweet, sparkly thing of drool. And there's man, little sheep noises behind him. And there's all this little cool things, little baby animals around him. And there's this majestic angel choir that's behind him singing. And that's how you're viewing Jesus. And right now, take that, put it back on the Christmas card. Send that to your aunt that you don't really get along with. And think about this Jesus. I'm talking Jesus that just walked off the set of 300 that's jacked. That's completely ripped. That's got this crazy humongous sword in his hand. That's standing on his throne from heaven looking down at you going, don't you dare give up. Take heart and hold on. This is a battle cry. This is the creator, the commander of heaven's armies telling you to hold on. Take heart. This is William Wallace in Braveheart. Remember? Blue face, wearing a skirt, but nobody said anything because he had that big friggin' sword. This is him riding up and down on the battle line on the horse with the men that are about to give up. Remember the movie? Hope I'm not spoiling it for the three of you that have never seen it. He's riding back and forth on this horse, on this horse telling his friends, man, don't give up. We can do this. We're going to go in. We're going to win our freedom. This is going to be the greatest fight ever. It's going to be majestic. We're going to kill people. And he's riding back and forth trying to encourage his men to give up. This is God standing up saying, don't you dare give up. Hold on. We, um, we take your kids to camp every year. And we go up to Hume Lake, which is in Northern California, and there's this cool moment. The last day of camp, we gather all the men up on the top of the mountain, and there's this place called Victory Circle. It's at the top of one of the mountains surrounded by these humongous trees, and it's got this big bonfire in the middle. And we kick all the ladies out, and we send them back down to camp. And all the men, well, I say men, but it's ninth graders through seniors. Yeah, they're men. They're, they're up on this hill. Huge. It's really cool. It smells terrible, but there's this large group, six to 700 high school students. And we have this moment where we try to encourage them to be men. And we're challenging them to rise up and to be godly men, to be manly men, to go out into this world and make a difference, to be strong, to be courageous. courageous. And we have this really cool moment where they're up there and they're in this big circle. And we challenge them to be men the only way we know how, to yell and make the most noise possible. Because that's what men like to do. And there's this really cool moment where we're like, all right, in three, we're going to just yell and we're going to try to scare the girls who are down by the lake. So you ready? So we're like, one, two three. And then you have this cool moment of like the ninth graders who are just hitting puberty and they're like, yeah, (laughs) it's so funny. And then you have like the 18 year old that's got a voice like Johnny Cash. And he's like, yeah. (laughs) And it's this cool mixture of these guys, but the loudest, most deafening noise of the six to 700, just young men scream in this battle cry. It's awesome. You come off the mountain, you're like looking for a squirrel to kill something that you can just grab and eat raw meat and just throw it down and be like, ah, wipe it on your face and go on. It's that type of moment. That's what this is. This isn't a little meek 
timid. Take heart. <laughs> Just look at the kitten hanging onto the branch. It's almost Friday. You can do it. It's not that type of moment. Take heart. Hold on. Don't you dare let go. The world is going to throw everything it can at you. And when it does, you can find peace if you look for me. If you can, man, if, whenever this hits, if you'll stop staring at that and you'll start staring at me, you can find peace in the middle of this, whatever this is. But take heart and hold on because I'm going to get you through whatever this is. It's the coolest part of this verse. Then it says this. It says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. (laughs) And you need to remember who this is again, this I. Who is this I that's talking? This is Jesus who stood up and had his friends betray him. This is Jesus who walked in and needed his friends more than anything in this moment. And they were like, ooh, nope, sorry, never, don't know who that is, never met him. This is Jesus whose own family. Do you understand that Jesus' brothers didn't acknowledge him as God until after he died and came back to life? That's when his brothers looked at him and thought, oh, You are Jesus. Okay. Makes sense now. His own family didn't believe he was who he said he was. This is Jesus who walked into, walked in in one moment, has crowds cheering for him and like just thinking it's the greatest day ever. And the next moment they're cheering for him to be crucified and put to death. This is Jesus who dealt with pain, who got to watch one of his friends and his, his friend's sisters pour out to him because his friend was dying. This is Jesus who's saying, I've overcome the world. This is Jesus saying, hey, all this stuff has happened. This world, it it hit me with everything. This is Jesus who left heaven that came to earth as as man, lived this life as as God and as man, did it without sin, was abused, was spit on, was ridiculed, was made fun of, and he's saying, take heart, hold on, I've beat it. So this isn't like a little leprechaun at the end of the rainbow going, hey, take heart, because it may be there. It may be kind of cool. This is the God of the universe who the world threw everything at. And check out how cool this is. The world throws everything at him, and all that's left is death. And so they even hit him with death, and Jesus is like, sweet, I'm going to hang out three days in here, take care of sin. I'll be back. <laughs> Bring me some Starbucks. Comes back three days later, and he's like, hey, sin's done. I'm coming back for you, so get ready. This is Jesus saying, take heart and hold on. I've overcome it. I've beat the best that this world has to throw at you. Everything that this world could possibly hit you with, it hit me with first. From deception, from neglect, from abandonment, from watching friends die, everything that this world has to offer you, I saw it firsthand. I beat it firsthand. Take heart, hold on. I can overcome this world. And if you want to find peace in this moment, It's not going to be found in a relationship outside of Jesus. Take heart. Hold on. I've overcome the world. I am. I I gave my life to Jesus as a a seventh grader. And I'll never forget, I was like 11 or 12 years old. I remember um, I was at church with my parents. um, And they were doing communion. And the plate came by with the bread. And my dad, I don't know if dads still do this. I try to, but where you give your kids that look like death is coming if you touch that and you really try to intimidate them as a dad. And so it's coming by and you're like, and I, I can't do it very well here because you're y'all are kind of freaking me out. But with my kids, I can make them like instantly like drop their hands and yes, sir. And my dad gave me that. So the plate's coming by, I'm going to touch it. And I have that feeling of if I touch it, I'm going to die. And I really think he could do it. So I'm like, yes, sir. And I went home and I was asking, I was like, dad, hold up. Why couldn't I 
be a part of that. And so my dad started to explain to me that what communion was and how it represented to Jesus, you know, his death and burial and resurrection and the promise of his return and how I hadn't given my life to him yet. And so really for me to take part in it, it didn't have any meaning to me because I hadn't trusted Jesus with my life. And so my dad started talking to me in the next few moments, my dad actually led me to meeting Jesus for the first time. And there's this really cool moment where I, and I still, to this day, I think it's the coolest thing that's ever happened to me was sitting with my dad and him telling me who Jesus was and how he loved me, forgave me, and wants me to be a part of this. And I'll never forget that moment. And I'll never forget watching that dad show me what it means to, to live this verse out, to find peace when the world hits, to find peace when you get a call saying that your oldest son is dying of cancer and to watch him walk through that with peace. To go from having a great job to losing it and wondering how am I going to support my, my family and doing that with dignity and with peace and not just with dignity but doing it in a way that honored God with joy I remember sitting with my dad as we were talking about my son. And we're like, Dad, what do I do? Um, I, I don't know. I, I can't abort him. Dad, what, what, what's going to happen? And I remember my dad giving me peace because I could see it in him. And not only when he was born, but through all three of his surgeries, watching my dad sit there and help me through this time. And even now, my parents have been married a little over 50 years. I get to watch my dad love on my mom later on in her life, dealing with Parkinson's, trying to figure out what that even means and how to help her. I get to watch what it means to have peace and how peace can be found if we look in the right place. The problem this morning isn't that bad things happen to good people or that bad things happen to everything, everybody. The problem is that bad things are happening and you're looking for the wrong source of peace. You're going to the wrong place to try to find peace when bad things happen. And this, this passage is crazy powerful. Because Jesus is saying, hey, this world, bad things are going to happen. Get ready. But take heart. Hold on. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare let go. When times are tough, you better grit your teeth. Hold on tight so your knuckles are white. You better dig in your heels. You better be sweaty by the end of the day because you've held on so tight. Holding on, waiting for me to do what it is that I'm going to do. And you know what? The situations may still seem bleak, but you're, you're two inches in a lifetime journey. And it may look rough right now, but you better hang on tight and hold on because you can have peace in me. And I've already beat that. I don't know what your world is right now. If we were to guess, I I would guess that the majority of us probably have a pretty decent life. That right now there's not a whole lot going on that's hurtful in our world. There's a lot of us, though, that are sitting in this room that come week after week after week, and we have this facade or this mask of everything is great, and we're struggling because we don't know where to find peace, and we've looked for everywhere except for the giver of peace. So today, I just wanted to give you a chance to think. Where are you finding peace? This isn't theory to me. This is reality. Because no matter what this world has hit me with, Everything that's thrown at me, I've found peace as soon as I look to Jesus. And the world's still the same. My brother's still gone. My mom still has Parkinson's. My son still has a heart defect. But I can hold my son with peace knowing that God's got it covered. I can watch my mom and listen to her sing and know that God's got it covered. I can think back on my brother and realize that God's got it covered. It's peace. Where do you find peace? Peace. 
I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Because um, again, if I, if I just explain this to us, it doesn't really fix the problem. I don't feel like knowledge is the answer here. I feel like application is. So usually we have something come up and we ask you to think about what's going on and then we sing or we do something else and you don't really get a moment to think about it. So today, before the world hits, because the reality is as soon as we walk out of these chairs and we walk out into the world again, Whatever you walked in here with is going to be out there waiting for you. And you may have already got the text messages letting you know that it's coming. So before we get out there and the world hits, where do you find peace? And I feel like some of you are tired. Because you're looking for peace and temporary peace is nothing but annoying and, and tiring. Jesus, um, I just want to ask that today, God, that, that in this, this moment, God, that we would be honest with ourselves, that we'd be honest with you. And in this moment, God, we'd forget about what's going on around us. And in this moment, God, we would truly just evaluate where does peace come from in our world? Where are we looking for peace? God, for those of us in this room right now that are struggling because the world has hit and it's hard and they're living out with this. Man, when you said, hey, the world is going to give you trouble, they're like, yeah, that's me right now. And God, they're a living testament to that being truth. Jesus, right now, I just pray that they would look to you for peace. And maybe you don't even know how to do that. It starts with you saying, God, if this is real, I'm going to give you whatever this is that's attacking my world. Whatever this trouble is, I'm going to give it to you. And all I want in return is peace. So God, whatever this looks like to you, I, I can't handle it. I'm sick of trying to deal with it on my own. So I'm going to give it to you. Please give me peace in return. Some of you know this peace because you've lived it. Why aren't we telling people about it? Why aren't we sharing that peace with friends and with family, with coworkers, with neighbors? Jesus, would you give us the strength to walk out of this place knowing that the world is still going to be there, God, that we're still going to have pain, we're still going to have problems, we're still going to have trouble, but knowing that no matter what this world throws, God, that you've conquered this world, that you've beaten it, and if we'll look to you, Jesus, we can have peace. So God, in these next few moments, God, in these next few moments, will you just help us to seek you for peace? In the beautiful name of Jesus, amen.